Hey, can we just do this? You know, one of the things that God does is he gives gifts, and we are so grateful for uh, the incredible giver. I, I told our team this week, one of the ways that we honor the giver, who is God, for the gifts that he gives, which is people, is to honor people well. The way that we honor people well, I think, honors the giver who gave the gift. Uh, It's the same thing that happens whenever you're married. When you honor in your marriage, you're honoring God by honoring the gift he gave you in the marriage that he gave us. And I don't know about you, I think you probably feel exactly the same way. God gave us the greatest gift we could ever have gotten from Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy. Can we give God the grandest praise for the gift that he gave us in Pastor Bubba? I, um, you know, so many people asked over this past week, Pastor Josh, how are you and Lindsay? How are you holding up? Um, and here's been my response. My response has been, it's hard to fall when you have the amount of people that you have around you and the amount of team and the amount of staff and the amount of incredible relationships that God's given us here at this church. Um, you guys have upheld us in prayer. You have upheld us in text messages that have been so encouraging um, from the ways that you've supported not only our family, but our whole church family. And of course, the McCann family. I talked to Miss Tracy this morning. She wanted me to just share with all of you an incredible huge thank you for the way that you've loved the McCann family, the way you've served them, texted them, encouraged them, given them food, blessed them, taken care of them. I am so honored to lead the most incredible church on the history of the planet. You guys loved well this week. You loved well this week. And um, how many of you got to see the service that we had on Thursday? How many of you got to either be here or watch it online? Was that not powerful? If you didn't get to watch that, you need to go watch that. And be like, I don't enjoy funerals. You will this one. It was an honor fest. Um, it was an honor fest. And I've never been to a funeral where the deceased preached with everybody else. Come home, man. Uh, it was just, it was powerful. It was so powerful. And um, will we miss Pastor Bubba? Absolutely more than you can imagine. More than you can imagine. Um, but I know that scripture says, the apostle Paul writes, to die is gain, to die is gain. And he says, to share this with one another, to encourage one another. And so today we know how many are grateful Pastor Bob is no longer hurting, no more, no more chemo, no more. He's got the body he's always wanted. He's probably 6'6", like he said he always wanted to be. And uh, shooting geese and all that great stuff. I, I read a quote recently from Mother Teresa, and I thought this was in- incredibly fitting for, for Pastor Bubba and, and really for us as a church, and it said this, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. And uh, how many know that's what Pastor Bubba did? He has created many ripples, not only just a- around this region, but around the world. Uh, he was the finest Christian, the finest man of God I know. So today, I, I want to kind of do a twofold thing. I want to, I want to continue to honor this man, uh, and and so I'm going to share some stories, and I'm going to share really what what he's imparted into me, and I think what he's imparted into us as a church. But I also want to continue our series called Build Your Church. And if there's anything that Pastor Bob was mostly passionate about beyond his wife and his kids was this church, and seeing this church be all that God had called it to be. 
And, uh, and when he handed it over to me two years ago, that was his commission to me, was to make sure that everything that he had built this church on would continue and would continue to grow and thrive even more. And so that's been my, my heart, is to continue to honor God by honoring his legacy. And so today, the title of my, of my message today is called A Legacy Church. A Legacy Church. And uh, I'm going to talk in a little bit about how we're going to share, continue to share this legacy, because all of us have a part in this legacy. It's not just my role or Lindsay's role. But it's all of us as a role of what we can do to, uh, to continue this legacy. So I want to read Psalms chapter 112. We're going to read almost the entire chapter, so just prepare yourself. And I'm going to preach the entire message from this chapter. Um, that is rare for me to stay in one book, but I'm going to predominantly stay in this book the whole way. And we're going to let this book be an outline to us of what it means to be a legacy church. So Psalms 112, if you have your notes, um, get them out. You can take some notes with us. They're, they're also on the app as well. And this is what it says. It says, praise the Lord. Love how it starts there. Praise the Lord. Everybody, y'all going to help me here. How joyful are those who, who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful Come on, how many say I received that for my kids right here? Their children will be successful. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Watch this, this next verse says, verse three. They themselves will be wealthy. Come on, how many say I received that right now? How many, if you don't, I'll pray poverty on you. Okay, so they themselves will be wealthy. Um, I'll share a little bit more about this in a minute. It says in their good deeds will do what? Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are and and watch verse five. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Verse seven. They do not fear bad news. They do not fear bad news. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. And watch the last part. And their good deeds will be remembered forever, and they will have influence and honor. Amen. I can't think of a chapter that speaks more about Pastor Bubba than this one right here. And I can't think of a chapter that speaks more about the heart of our church than this one right here. And we will be a people that are remembered forever. There's going to come a day. Listen, I mean, barring Jesus comes back and the rapture happens, death's coming for all of us. Welcome to our Savior's church. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so when that comes, when that comes, people are going to stand on a stage or stand at a funeral home and they are going to eulogize your funeral and prayerfully that, that they won't just be going over your resume, they'll be going over your legacy. Amen. Yes. I don't want people to preach my resume, I want them to preach my legacy. Yes. And let me tell you what legacy is. I've, I've shared this for a number of years, but I, it bears repeating Legacy is this, if you take a notes, legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. Legacy is the future without you, but it's still being influenced by you. 
Psalms 112 gives us a really a layout of what it means to be a legacy person. What, what does it mean to leave a legacy life, live a legacy life? If you want to be a person that just doesn't just make money and just hand your kids riches and stuff, but you really want to hand your kids true riches, true things that last for all of eternity, I want you to listen very closely to this message. We're going to talk about seven things, seven things that a legacy church, what does a legacy church look like? And we're gonna, and, and I'm gonna share a little bit of different stories. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about our church. I'm gonna talk about Pastor Bob. We're gonna, we're gonna do a little bit of mixture because I believe he lived out these principles in so many ways. And uh, if you're taking notes, we're gonna dive right in because I got a lot to get through. Number one, a legacy church lives fearfully. Lives fearfully. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. The fear of the Lord now, this doesn't mean the fright of the Lord. I'm scared of the Lord. I grew up kind of in a, in a tradition often that, that like you had to be scared of God. Like God was waiting to smite you or throw the hammer down, you know, whenever you did something or said something. You, you've heard people say like, oh, I don't want to walk into that church because, man, lightning's going to strike. Y'all ever heard that said? Okay, that is, that is a, a wrong view of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not like that. Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is a deep love for God plus a deep respect for God. It's a deep love for God plus a deep respect for God. I love God greatly with all of my heart and he loves me, but I also have a very healthy respect for who God is. I love that God is my heavenly father, but I also have a healthy respect that he is a righteous judge. I have a deep gratitude for God's love for me, but I also know that he is full of not only grace, but also truth. So it's both sides, and this healthy fear of God is huge. Fear of God is not a bad thing, it's a great thing. Let me show you, watch, watch this scripture here. Uh, in, in Proverbs 19, 23, it says, the fear of the Lord leads to some things. Watch what it leads to. It leads to life bringing what? Security. I mean, no, that's all that we long for. Everybody in here longs for security. Everybody in here longs for life. The fear of the Lord brings these things. It brings us to life. It brings us security. And it brings us protection from harm. All the things that we really want in this life. Protection, security, long life. The fear of the Lord is what brings all that. That I love God deeply, but I respect God greatly. I understand standing up on this stage, having the the word pastor in front of my name, even though I'm just... Regular man, just like you, I understand that the title of that and what that carries and the, not only the deep appreciation to be called a pastor, but the greater responsibility of being called a pastor. The Bible says, I will stand before the Lord one day and give account not only for my family, but also for this spiritual family. You won't do that, but I will. I will stand before God on how he, he called me to walk this, and the same was for Pastor Bubba, and it was such a deep thing inside of him, which is why we are so much more concerned about people's character than we are their gifts. We want them to be people and men of God more than just great preachers. We want them to be people that love God passionately and love people passionately. I know some of the greatest preachers on the planet, but they have terrible character. And I know that this was something that was very passionate about Pastor Bubba as well. Pastor Bubba told me this, Pastor Josh, if you're ever going to be a pastor, there are three things you never touch. 
you never touch these three things. I said, okay, bring it to me. And he'd tell me this all the time. He said, you never touch God's gold, meaning you never, you never deal with money in a wrong way. We live with integrity when it comes to finances here. We make sure that everything that comes into here that you give to here is done ethically, done with the moral, high moral standards. So you never touch God's gold. He says you never touch God's girls. <laughs> There's been some pastors that have gotten in trouble on that one. So there's only one girl I touch, <laughs> all right? So he's like, we never do that. And then the third thing is you never touch God's glory. It's always God's glory. It's never your own. It's always his. Never touch his gold, never touch his girls, and never touch his glory. If you touch those three things, you will disqualify yourself of being in ministry. But as long as you have character in those areas and you continue to fear the Lord, and every time I see pastors in our own community, around the nation and around the world that foul out of the game, it grieves my heart deeply because these men have lost their fear of the Lord. I deeply fear the Lord when it comes to being not only a pastor, but just being a man of God. And I pray the same would be for you as well, that you would fear the Lord. And here's how you know the fear of the Lord. Watch this. You know you fear the Lord when you obey the Lord. You know you fear the Lord when you obey the Lord because that verse said, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. That's one of the things I do know about Pastor Bubba. He was a very obedient man. If the Lord told him to do it, he was doing it. Even if people said, this is so stupid, don't do this, he was still doing it because a yes from God is more than any no from man. Not partial obedience, how many know full obedience? So the first thing, if you want to live a legacy life, the very first thing out the gate is you need to live fearfully. Live for the fear of man. Too many people, I mean, live for the fear of man instead of the fear of God. You need to live for the fear of man, uh, fear of God. God, I, I fear you more than anything because I love you deeply and I respect you wholeheartedly. So that's number one. We live fearfully. A legacy church, number two, thinks generationally. They think generationally. Look what the rest of this verse says in Psalms 112. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. And they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. In February, I will turn 40. Yeah. I, did y'all think I was older or younger? I don't know what's going on. I'll be like, oh, which one did you think? Okay. So I turned 40 in February. Um, my wife turns 40 in December, so she, I got a cougar. So, um, so <laughs> she's older than me. Two-month cougar, but she's a cougar. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's an inside joke. So I, um, so I turned 40. So I really feel like I'm actually in a very unique season right now because I'm realizing that 20 years ago, I was 20. And 20 years from now, I'll be 60. So I'm kind of like... I'm like here, I'm like both, you know. I still feel like I'm young enough to do that. But I'm old enough to know that this is probably gonna hurt me later. Um, so, so I wanna do this, okay? And I think God's given me now a unique vantage point to be able to speak to both sides. To speak to those who are 40 and older, I wanna speak to you, and then I wanna speak to those who are 40 and younger. So let me start with those who are 40 and older. Um, you know, you work really, really hard for what you have, and I totally under, I get it. 
For many of you, you, you work and work and work for decades, and then when you get into your 50s and your 60s and your 70s, there's a mindset that culture will sell you on that when you get into that decade, those decades, it's now all about you. So retire, go, go travel the world and do whatever you wanna do and make it all about you. And there's an element that that's okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you for, for doing that. I know people do that all the time. I just can't find a scripture that says for us to do that. I can't find a scripture that says when I get to 50 or 60 and I retire from work, I get to check out from everything. What I do see from scripture is that when I get into that age bracket, actually now I have more time for the kingdom than I've ever had in my entire life. What's sad is most people do less for the kingdom when they get into that age group and not more. Because now you actually don't have to work. Now you can actually do the things that God really wants you to do. Now you can really step into that. So I wanna challenge all those that are here. What if the older generation, instead of resenting the younger generation, discipled them? What if in, instead of us as an older generation go, oh, well, I, back in the day, it was my music and you know, we're listening to all this other music. Instead of being about that, what if we just celebrated the fact that there are young people that are on this stage and young people that are getting raised up and young people that are becoming pastors and young people that we can invest our life in and young marriages that I can look at them and go, don't do that, don't say that, don't do that. Okay, this is what you need to do. Y'all with me? Come on, older generation, y'all with me? That, that we now get to intern Re, look at these that are younger and go, let me teach you some things. Let me help you with some things. I wish I could go back and tell myself some of these things at your age. Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's how you should spend your money. Here's how you shouldn't spend your money. Here's how you should love God with all of your heart. Here's how you can raise your kids in such a way that I had to learn from my own mistakes and I pray that you don't. Listen, this is, the, the Bible says all throughout scripture that for the, the older men and the older women to invest their lives in the younger. And that's, I'm telling you, that's our call. And I pray that if you are that, if you're in that age bracket, every Sunday you walk into this room, that you find someone who is younger and you put your hand around them and you say, I'm so proud of you. I'm here for you. Man, can I help you in any way? Now let me speak to those who are under 40 and say this, you're not the church of the future, you are the church of today. And I believe with all of my heart, I'm, I'm, I'm now realizing more and more, When I came to this church, I was 18 years old, 18. And Pastor Bubba took a chance on me, literally took a chance on me. And he gave me opportunities I should have never have received. He gave me authority I probably should have never have had. And then he championed me and coached me and corrected me and encouraged me and blessed me all of the way. I was 18 years old and I was a youth pastor. Who in the world? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't hire an 18 year old youth pastor. But this man saw something inside of me and began to call it out. He, he saw things in people and he began to call it out because he, he always thought generationally. He, he, he knew that there was going to come a day where he was gonna have to hand it off. And what ends up happening is most of us wait until we have to hand it off to go, oh, now I need to figure out something. But how many know, what if right now we start discipling and encouraging and training and equipping for when that day comes? I'm already looking for my replacement now.
Because I'm learned, I've learned from looking at Pastor Bub, I've learned from other things that, you know, and this is why we are so invested in OSC Kids and have the best OSC Kids director that we could ever have. This is why. I'm y'all grateful for Lucy. Y'all grateful for him? And this is why we have the youth pastor that we have in Pastor Dustin. This is why we have Allie that's here. This is why, listen, all these, Allie stands up here and sings, she was with me 18 years ago. These are all raised up in the house. How many of you would love to see your kids raised up in the house and if they got a call of God to be pastors, that they get sent out to go be pastors? What would it look like if we were to be a people that continue to do that in all areas of the church, raising up not only just people in ministry, but raising up future doctors and mayors and attorneys and, and man, businessmen and women. It'd be incredible. I wrote this down. The things that you do for yourself will be forgotten, but the things you do for others will create a legacy that will always be remembered. Amen. Always be remembered. So to the younger, invest, uh, uh, be teachable. If you're younger in here, go find someone who's older and say, help me, teach me. If you're older, find people that are younger and say, come, come walk with us. Come have dinner with us. Come be with us. Invite them to your house. Just invite them into your life. I'm grateful for that in my life. And now I try my best to return to do that with those that are in this church that are in the younger generation to believe in them and train them. So you gotta think generational. If you wanna be a, 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 a generational legacy person, you have to think that way. Number three, you have to shine brightly. A church that is a legacy church shines brightly. This verse in 112 says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. How many are you grateful that Jesus came to turn off the dark? He came. When, when Jesus walked, watch this, when Jesus walked wherever he walked because he was the light, darkness ran. When light turns on, darkness doesn't get to go, no, get off. Darkness turns off immediately when light shines. God has called us as a people to shine as well. And you know when you shine the brightest? When it's the darkest. You shine the brightest when it's the darkest, when it's the most painful, when it's the most hardest, when it's the most difficult, you either get to shine with the light of Jesus or you get to just have pity on me and what I'm going through. How I many you know PB was not a pity pastor? He stood up here and we'd be praying for other people, encouraging other people, and all at the same time, him needing it himself but he realized I need to give what I need. Amen. I need to give it away. So if I need prayer, I'm gonna pray for people. If I need healing, I'm gonna believe healing for someone else. If I need money, I'm gonna give to somebody else because this is what God's called us to shine bright. Like what Matthew 4 says. Matthew 4 verse 14 and 16 says, you are the what? You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and what does it do? It gives light to all in the house. Look, look at the next verse. In the same way, let your light shine before who? Before everybody else, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Shine. May you shine. 
When we go through the hardest times, I don't know why we, we recluse. We isolate. Don't. Get out there. Shine bright. Is it hard? Yes. Going through a difficult season? Yes. But Jesus came as a torch, as a flame, and he lights a flame inside of the hearts of every person who surrenders their life to him. And so it says, you're going to shine brightly. How are you going to shine brightly? You're going to be generous, and you're going to be compassionate, and you're going to be righteous. So one of the things that I asked on Facebook this week was, hey, let's share some stories or some, some things that you remember about Pastor Bubba and what he means to you or what he's done to you that you'll always remember. So I want to share some of these. If you didn't get to read them, I would encourage you to go read them. They're powerful. But I want to share two of them. One of them is, uh, I'll, I'll share it. This is from Lindsay Miller. If y'all know Lindsay and Derek that are in our church, she said this, the very first time I met him was at my Pawpaw Douglas's hunting camp. I mean, no, that's exactly where he would be. Um, I must have been 21, she said. I was so lost in a very dark place in my life. He talked to me about Jesus at the, dining, at the dinner table. He planted a seed. I was hungry and wanted out of the dark place. He invited me to OSC, and in 2014, my family and I made OSC our home. Now watch this. All from a conversation that happened at a dinner table. Think about this. One conversation at a dinner table with a 21-year-old girl who was in a very dark place. My husband and I rededicated our lives to Christ. We were baptized. We renewed our vows to one another. Our children got saved and baptized at OSC, and our lives forever changed from that meeting with Pastor Bubba at my papa's hunting camp when he took the time to tell an extremely lost girl about the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, isn't that powerful? Never doubt what one conversation can do, by the way. This other one actually happened for Tina. Tina's sitting over here. She said this, when I had just got out of the hospital, it was my first outing, we were at Stein, and I just found out that I had cancer. We ran into Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy. He prayed for me in Stein, and he told me I was the third person in the past three weeks he had prayed for in Stein's about cancer. (laughs) All those things are fitting. When we think about shining brightly, oftentimes we can think that it's maybe just something that happens within a church, but how many know the church is already bright? (laughs) We need to get outside of the church and get into the dark places. And the thing that I love about our pastor that we had is that it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter if he was sitting at a dinner table, he was sharing Jesus. It didn't matter if he's at a restaurant, he's sharing Jesus. In a hunting blind, he was sharing Jesus. If he's in Stein looking for a plumbing part, he's sharing Jesus with somebody and praying for somebody. How many know we all can do that? We all should do that. He did not do that because he had pastor before his name, by the way. He did that because he was a man of God that just loved talking about Jesus. And I pray that that would be the same for all of us. So we live fearfully. We think generationally. We shine brightly. Let me give you the fourth way that we are a legacy church is you walk victoriously. You walk victoriously. Psalms 112 says, such people will not be overcome by evil. We have bought into a lie that many people have become a part of their theology, and that is that if I follow Jesus, then bad things won't happen. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you that Jesus actually said quite the opposite. Jesus said, surely I will tell you, you will face many trials and many hardships, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. Hey, and listen, if the one who has overcome the world lives inside of you, how many know if it couldn't overcome him, it can't overcome you? That was way better than this church responded. I just want you to know right now. 
And it might be because some of you live so defeated right now. Because you haven't realized what Jesus has paid for. And it's not an issue of that Jesus hasn't paid for. It's an issue that you haven't received it. We, we receive what he has done for us. It, because of the cross and the resurrection, there is nothing that you can be overcome by. Do y'all realize that? Nothing you can be overcome by. Oh, Pastor Josh, is just getting so dark and so scary. No, it's not. It's, it's going to get darker, by the way. It's going to get darker. Scripture tells us that at the end of the days, as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. But if you are a person who lives fearlessly and confidently knowing I can never be overcome by evil, I mean, no, you just live differently. There is a confidence that is on you that is so different than everybody else. And oftentimes, here's how I know I'm living for Christ, is because the attacks are coming. That's usually how I know. I am in enemy territory because I'm getting bullets shot at me in all different directions. If you aren't getting any bullets shot at you, you might be too comfortable. I, I love, I, I had the, the privilege this week to, to bring Pastor Bubba's Bible here. We, we displayed it on his casket. His favorite verse was John 15, 16. But if you opened the cover of Pastor Bubba's Bible on the front cover, I want to show you what it said. I took a picture of it. It said this, today I pray for those in myself who are in need of a miracle. By your stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are greater than the threat, greater than the disease, greater than the circumstance, greater than death. You defeated hell and the grave, and today I claim victory, my healing, and my peace. I will live and not die and have a long and satisfying life. Jesus is bigger than cancer. Come on, how many know? That's, that's huge. The enemy hates you. Because he knows he's already lost. The question is, do you know you already won? If you know you already won, let's act like it. So, so we walk victoriously. Number five, this one's huge. We trust confidently. You want to live a legacy life? You have to realize that you're going to have to trust confidently in who God says he is and what God says he can do. It says this in chapter 112 again. It says, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, it is impossible to please God Without, what? Without faith. Faith is not found in what you're believing for. Faith is found in who you're believing in. My faith is not contingent in what I'm trying to believe for. It's in who I believe in. And let me just stop for a moment right here and pastor our church for a moment through grief. We reject every doctrine that says that if you have enough faith, you can twist arm God to do what you want him to do. That is not faith. I'm telling you right now, that is not faith. 
faith is not if I pray enough, give enough, serve enough, do enough, believe enough, then I will get God to do what I want him to do. Because what happens is, is when God doesn't do what you want him to do, then we blame it on ourselves or on other people because they didn't pray enough, believe enough, trust enough. Like for some reason, maybe God didn't give Pastor Bubba enough faith. He should have had more faith. He should have prayed more. He should have done more. I'm just telling you right now, we reject every ounce of that. Because, watch, listen to me, faith is trust. Watch this. So we believe that God is a healer. We have faith to believe and we trust that God is a healer. And listen to me closely. At any point you get diagnosed with something or, or something bad is, is, is um, diagnosed on you, I pray with all that is within you, you have the faith to believe that God is a healer and he can heal you. And we trust God to do that. But watch. But if for some reason he does not do what you want him to do the way you want him to do it, the same faith that you had to trust God to go to war for your healing has to transition to go to God to be worshiped for who he is. Watch, listen to me closely. I have faith to believe that he can heal, but God is also omnipotent, omniscient. He knows more than I know. He sees more than I see. And my faith also has to trust that when things don't go the way that I would want them to go, that God is still good. God still heals. God still believes. God still, are y'all with me? So listen. So yes, we grieve for Pastor Bubba not being here, but the man lived 11 years longer than doctors ever thought he ever would. He was a walking miracle man of faith who trusted God confidently in everything that he ever did. The very first moment Pastor Bubba was in a doctor's office and the doctor came in to him and Miss Tracy and said, you have cancer. I want you to listen very closely. The very first thing he did is he dropped on his knees in the doctor's room, raised his hand and said, God, I trust you. And from the first diagnosis he had to the last breath he took, those were still the same words that he said. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Listen, you don't have to know where you're going as long as you trust who's taking you there. Y'all understand that? Like, I just trust that God's good. There are some things that have to get anchored into your soul. Every time we got the bad news about Joel, there were things I had to come back to that were anchored. God is good. God loves me. God is with me. God is a healer. These things are anchored in because the way the enemy is going to work is he's going to try to uproot all those things every time something happens in your life. And if that's the case, your life will be all over the map. Your emotions will be all over the map because you won't know what your anchored hope is. I confidently trust that God is working in this midst. He's doing this, I'm telling you. And it's huge for us to understand that as a church, because listen, you're going to go through your own storm. You're going to go through your own attacks. Some of you are in one right now. Some of you are going to be walking through some, and I want you to come back to this place and go, God, I trust you. Because faith in God, watch this, faith in God makes you confident and fearless. Confident and fearless. If you believe that every single day of your life 
is counted by God and he knows when you're going to die, watch this, then you can, you can travel to a mission field where Christians are getting murdered and walk confident and fearlessly knowing every single one of my days is ordered and ordained by God. Y'all see what it does? Now, listen, there's wisdom. I get it. Okay, we don't do stupid things. But, but at the end of the day, we, live, we don't live with fear. I, we had to make this decision with our son, whether we were going to send him to school during the midst of COVID or not. And everybody's freaking out and all this stuff. And my wife and I, we just prayed and we just felt like the presence of God. And, and, and we both said, God knows every day of my son's life. And I'm not going to restrict him from doing what he loves to do with the people he loves to do it because I'm allowing fear to hold me back. Go live your best life, boy, and we'll believe that God will protect you and cover you. Are y'all with me? And there's wisdom. Absolutely, there's wisdom. But I'm not going to allow my life to be lived by fear. I confidently trust in who God is. And I pray that if we're going to be a legacy church, we've got to continually, confidently trust it. And Pastor Robin didn't just live this in the area of, the, of, of, of medical and his health. He lived this in every area of his life. Like we planted a church in Eunice when we didn't have people from Eunice even going to our church. Who plants a church with no people? Pastor Baba does. We planted a church in Crowley. Didn't have a building. And we will continue to plant more and more churches, not because we have it all together, but because God's calling us to step out and do things. And I've been praying, God, put that same boldness on me. God, I pray that I hear your voice on where we're going as a church and what, what God's calling us to do. I mean, everywhere I've looked, I've watched this man. From We built this building and said, we're not going to take out any debt. We're going to just pay it cash. And we're going to just trust the Lord that he's going to provide every bit of it. And God did it for this building. And God did it for the kids' building. And I believe he'll do it for every other place that we're going. God's, I'm telling you, God's working. He's moving. All right. I'm going to wrap up. Here we go. These last two. So we trust confidently. And number six, they share freely. A generous legacy Living church shares freely. Psalms, one, one, uh, Psalms 24 verse one says this. The earth is whose? Lord. Is the Lord's. Watch this. And come on, let's say that. Some of y'all didn't want to say that, okay? <laughs> and everything. everything in it, the world. Uh, in, in it, the world. All right. And all who live in it. All right, so... Everything is the Lord's, all things are the Lord's, and one of the greatest stress relievers, I'm going to help some people in here that are stressing over finances, I'm going to help you, ready? God owns it all. The bill is his, Okay. So this is why it's so important for us to seek the Lord when we, we go, well, well, I worked for it. Yes, you did. But who gave you the body and the mind to actually work? Who? God, yeah. Who gave you the competency? Who gave you the favor with the boss? Who gave, I mean, we can just go down the list and go, yeah, okay, that was God. Yeah, that was God. Okay, yeah, that was God. And what gets us in trouble not just with money, with our time, 
with our talents and with our treasures is when we become like teenagers and think that what I have is mine. It's not mine. The Father gave it to me to be a steward of whatever he gave to me. So when he asks for it back, I can't say, this is mine. I go, well, you gave it to me. Here you go. So everything God has given you, that's why, listen, as you get older, watch this. As you're younger, you spend all of your health and all of your time to make money. And when you get older, you spend all of your money to try to get your health and your time back. Is it not true? You're like, man, I had all this money and now I gotta go spend it all on my health. So God says, your money, your time, your talents, your skills, your gift, everything that you have is mine, God says. I loan it to you. What are you gonna do with it? Ready? Here's the bigger question. Can God trust you with it? Man, I wanna raise. Can God trust you with a raise? Or will it just be more about me? Can God trust you to be blessed? Because will it be about just being more blessed or will it be about being a bigger blessing? Are y'all with me? And, and when God finds people that understand it's not about them and it's not theirs and everything that God gives them, God, if you want it, God, if you want me to give it, God, if you, I'll do it. It's amazing how God gets more to those people. So I've never shared this video but I'm gonna share one. I, uh, I was praying and praying and praying last year. My oldest son turned 16 and Lindsay and I just did not have the resources by any regards to buy our son a vehicle. Um, and so I'm just praying and I'm just literally bringing this before the Lord. And I'm going, God, you know what we need and we try to live as generously as we possibly can with everything that we have. I just need you to show us how, how this can happen. I get a phone call one day, and it's Pastor Bubba. And he says, man of God, where are you at? And we were at a basketball game at the time. And I stepped off to the side. I was at, at a hotel, about to go to a basketball game. And he says, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, what, why? Hey, have you gotten inside a car yet? No, why? I want to give him one. I'm like, what? I want to give him one. I said, are, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, I, I, I feel like we, God wants us to do this. I said, well, if God wants you to do it, I mean, I, I will receive it. So we came back and um, I captured the whole thing. So watch. your mother, your brothers, and everybody over here. You see what I put on the steering wheel? <laughs> Come see what I put on the steering wheel. Are you sure you like <laughs> Love you, buddy. Hello, man. Name is Tracy. We're, we're proud of the young man you are. We've known you since your mama delivered you. And you know what? 
You deserve this. You're a blessing. You're a good boy. And we love you. When I got blessed with some stuff, I told Miss Tracy, I said, I think I'm supposed to give this car to Josiah. And she goes, you should. <laughs> and your daddy and I didn't even talk. And, yep. and when I told your dad, he goes, man, I was just praying. Like, I, like this past week, I've been praying. To, how are we going to get Josiah a car? Well, guess what? Jesus gave you the car. Yeah. Are you All right? excited for the car or the Doritos? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really need the Doritos. Absolutely. Miss Tracy, too. <laughs> on the let's, bag. See, let's see what the bag says. <laughs> bag of Doritos yours, and so is the car. <laughs> now look at the little note I put on the steering wheel. Let's see. The note on the steering wheel says, don't eat Doritos and drive at the same time. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Point seven, a legacy church gives generously. It says they share freely and they give generously to those in need. Giving is one of the most eternal things that you and I can do. As you saw in that video, Pastor Bubba was way more excited than even Josiah was. I think my wife was the most excited out of all of them because she now no longer had to drive them to school. <laughs> we retired. Jesus said it this way, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the people that I know that are the most joyful on the planet are also the biggest givers. I'm just telling you. Giving is not because we need something from you. Giving is because God wants something for you. I'm just telling you. It's, it is so fun. It is so fun to be this. I love what Corey Tim Boone said. A woman who went through the Holocaust, she said this, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. It's donation. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said when he talked about the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan where the guys that were in ministry, the priests, the Levite, saw the man that was beaten on the side of the road and passed by him. And I love, it says, the priest and the Levite, this is what Martin Luther King said, uh, said, the priest and the Levite asked themselves when they saw the man stranded on the side of the road, beaten, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? See, they were thinking about how it would inconvenience them. But the Good Samaritan, when he saw the man that was beaten, asked, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen to him? Generosity is the greatest privilege and honor that we have of this house. It's been built, this house has been built on generosity. We give way more money away. We give more of our time. We give more of our, so, so many of you gave this week. Just the way that you served and loved and helped and encouraged. It's way more than money. It's a heart. It's a lifestyle. It's a what can I do for you type of mentality. And here's why we do this. I wanna help us theologically and then I'm gonna transition. Jesus 
has done for us spiritually what we couldn't do for ourselves. Watch, watch this. Jesus became poor so you and I could become rich. We were clothed in filthy rags and Jesus gave us his robe of righteousness, right? Okay, so when we were starving spiritually, he became the bread of life. When we were thirsty, he became the living water. Everything that I have spiritually is because Jesus was willing to step down from heaven, a place of perfection, a place of honor, a place of worship, to step into broken humanity, to say, it's not about me. I just wanna get my kids back. And he steps into a broken world, lives a life that you and I couldn't live, gives of himself constantly, ultimately going to a cross to die for sins he did not commit, all for the sake of for God so loved the world he gave. And so what God did for us spiritually, watch, we get to do for others physically. So this weekend is Compassion Weekend. And compassion is a very, very near and dear thing to Lindsay and I. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite my wife to come up. Babe, you wanna come up and I'll give it up for my wife. She comes, come on, baby. So for the last decade, Lindsay and I have been sponsoring uh, a kid from Compassion. His name's Jeffrey, over a decade, um, because we got him when Joel, uh, Judah Atsiah was, was young. I think I have a picture of him, actually. Um, this is a picture of Jeffrey right here. And, and so we've been sponsoring Jeffrey for a long while. And um, just this past week, Jeffrey aged out of compassion. We've been, we've been sponsoring him that long. He aged out of compassion. And we've really partnered with compassion because of what they mean and what they do. Let me read their tagline. Compassion, whole mission is to release children from poverty in the name of Jesus. Release children from poverty in the name of Jesus. And not just physical poverty, mental poverty, educational poverty, spiritual, how I many of the greatest is spiritual poverty. And uh, we've absolutely loved being a part with them. And two years ago, Lindsay uh, and another lady in our church here got to actually go on a compassion trip to go be with them. So I wanted her to come up and just share just a quick moment. And then uh, we're gonna close this service out, so. Yeah, so in 2019, uh, me and another girl got to go to the Dominican Republic. And I just have to say, I love compassion. Not only did Pastor Robin Miss Tracy introduce us to compassion and our child years ago um, when we sponsored kids from Honduras, but we got to go to, to the Dominican Republic. And I love that compassion doesn't just go in other countries and set up their own centers. They go in and they help and support the local church where they don't have the resources that they need. They don't have the finances to help and they equip and they train and just everything. We learned so much about compassion on our trip, but everything is done with such, um, with integrity and care 
And um, they really, these kids get, not only do they teach them about Jesus, they give them food and they take care of their, their health needs. And this is not able to happen in their homes. Um, their parents, a lot of times, cannot provide these things for them. And um, one of these pictures, we got to actually go Um, this lady invited us into her home and kind of like the chairs you would sit outside, um, like a plastic chair that you would have outside to just sit around. That was their furniture on the inside. And um, they were just so loving and generous to invite us in. And just the joy that these people have and they don't have anything um, was very humbling. But another picture that we um, got to go see this family, the thing that touched me the most was we walked um, up to this house and there was a tiny little porch And there was a man, a a lady was raising her grandchildren and her husband was on kind of like a little, just a small cushion on the front porch laying on the ground and he was literally dying and they had no health care to be able to help him. Um, And so he was just out there and this lady's raising her grandchildren and Compassion was able to help them so much by giving their children food and spending time with them and and helping them with their homework. And um, it was just super humbling. to know that the poverty that these people experience on a daily basis, but just how much compassion is there to help lift some burdens and carry some burdens and really change people's lives. We got to meet a guy who was with us on our trip who later told us he had gone through the compassion program and um, now works with compassion. So I love what they do. We got to go with every um, country has a home office and we got to go and If you choose to sponsor a child, know that your money is going to these children. Um, It's going to support them and care for them. And you also can write letters with them. You can correspond with them. And our our kid Jeffrey, every single time would say, I'm praying for you. And it just like, it just wrecked me every time because we're saying we're praying for him. And he is still, he was thankful for us and praying for us. And that always blessed me. So um, I think it would do a, be a huge blessing in your life and obviously these children if you um, supported and sponsored them. So one of the, one of the things that I've, I asked Compassion was, was our, our heart with international missions is that anywhere that we sponsor, I want us to be able to go there. I want us to be able to get on the ground and see what's, what God is doing there. And so he's like, man, it's gonna be hard to probably find a place that has enough kids for your church. I said, I just need you to find it. And so they did find one. They found one for us. And so our church is going to be sponsoring another church that is housing all of these kids. They have uh, 245 children in this church. 129 of them are unsponsored. 129. Uh, This is the largest population of kids that are unsponsored in one region. And we are sponsoring a church called Grace Showers Church. And I'm going to tell you where it is. It is in Tamahu, Alta Verapaz, Guatemala. We are in Guatemala. Uh, that's where we're going to be going is to Guatemala. And so one of the things that I'm excited about is in the next year or so, we're going to start going on mission trips more and more now that the countries are now opening. And we will be sending families to Guatemala to go actually see these kids, be with the kids, pray with the pastor. Uh, encourage the church, help the church in any way that we possibly can. And we want you to be a part of it. I'm asking you to, to sponsor a child, a child if you haven't. Uh, I would love for you to be a part of that. We, we, uh, we do, we've been doing this for a decade plus years. We don't even miss it. It's less than, I think it's $38 a month. Um, Lindsay and I went to lunch yesterday um, with a couple in our church and we paid more than $38 just for lunch yesterday. 
And, and so I'm telling you, this is so, such an easy thing for us to be a part of. I would love to see 129 kids sponsored. That would be a dream. I'd love to see us be able to get as many of these kids as we possibly can uh, going. So when you walk out of this, this, uh, the church here, you're gonna go into the foyer and you're gonna see the tables out there and you'll see all these little packets right here. All these packets are there. And we'd love for you to uh, go and stop by and look at all these packets. And here's what, all you're gonna do, this is all you're gonna do. You're gonna go look and find a child that maybe connects with, we found one, our Jeffrey was because his birthday was near our son's birthday. And we wanted to do that. I told Lindsay, cause our child just is now out. We're gonna do a new one. I told her, maybe this is our chance to get a girl in our life. And so maybe we'll have a girl, I don't know, we'll see. But um, all you're gonna do is you're, you're gonna go over there and find the packet if you want. And, and then you're gonna just pull this out. And on the back of there is a, is a little sheet that looks like this. It's, that's all it is, this little tab that's right here. And uh, you're gonna tear that tab off and you're gonna fill out both sides of it and you're gonna hand it into the table, that's it. And then you can take the rest of the packet with you. But um, that's Don't walk that's away with the do. packet if you haven't filled it out though. Fill out the tab, turn in the tab, and then, um, and then you can have it and they'll, they'll start their connections and conversations with you. You can start writing your kid and all that that's there. But I wanna end with this. Psalms 112 verse nine, the last verse says this says their good deeds will be remembered forever and they will have influence and honor. You have an opportunity as much as we do to have influence and honor not only in our own community but around the world. And uh, this is going to be the beginning of many things that we're going to do to continue to get our eyes off of just what's happening here, but what God wants to do through OSC around the world. I believe OSC is going to have a global impact around the world. Do anybody in here believe that to be the case as well? We're gonna send missionaries in it. We already are, we already are, but we're gonna do more, we're gonna do more. So if you go on out, we'd love for you to grab that and uh, thank you for your generosity in that. I wanna pray for us today as we, as we give in our offering but also as you go out and you give. Also, if you want to walk your children through the compassion experience, it is over there at the Connections Building right now. Grab your kids, take them over there. They'll put some headphones on you and you're gonna walk through a whole compassion journey. You can learn all about compassion as well. Uh, don't, don't leave without going through that. It is a powerful experience. We'd love to have you be a part of that as well. So let me pray for us today as we, as we leave, as we give. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for the legacy that we have and the legacy that will continue in the lives of the people that are here. As today, God, we get to go and, and make a difference not only in our own communities, but now around the world. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us this week to be a blessing to hundreds of children, God, that are looking for someone to sponsor them, someone to give to them, someone to believe in them, God, thank you for how you did that to us. Thank you, Lord, how when we were spiritually poor, you met our needs. God, thank you, Lord, that you became poor so that, so that we could become rich. Lord, we, we say thank you for that. Today, God, as we give back to you in our tithe, as our offering and our sponsorships, God, all of this, God, is, is, is what you call us to do for God so loved the world that he gave. God, we wanna be marked as a church who, who lives like that. We love you with all of our hearts, in Jesus' name.
And everyone said, amen.